Good morning. Welcome to the Mr. Ellen Podcast. It's Monday, November 13th, the morning after the Redskins' defeat at the hands of the Minnesota Vikings, despite the Redskins' incredible home field advantage. Here to talk about that from the Washington City Paper, it's Matt Turrell. Hey, Matt. Hi, Jamie. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, so not only did the Redskins lose a game that they needed pretty badly, uh, but due to the ongoing contract dispute between DirecTV and my local Fox affiliate, uh, I watched the parts that the Red Zone channel showed, and then I watched some of the parts that were uh, illegally streamed from some NFL subreddit uh, away from the uh, intercontinental United States. Well, due to the uh, ongoing dispute between my daughter's hip-hop class time and the end of the Redskins game, I uh, only was able to listen to the very end. I did not was not able to watch it. Um, did I miss much? Can we start there? Because I missed. I I turned it off. Whatever. At some point at the end, when it like it was over, um, I think I think the last thing I saw was Nick Rose kicking a fifty-six yard field goal. Anyways, uh, I missed the onside kick at the end until I saw it this morning on Twitter. His onside kick traveled four yards. Well, I mean, that's 40% of the way there, um, which seems about right for this team. It was, I mean, I'm sure there's been worse onside kicks, but it, it was in the running for the worst onside kick. When was the last time, I think they were talking about this on the radio, actually, or, or somewhere. When was the last time Redskins recovered an onside kick? I feel like it never, ever happens. Yeah, and you would think it would happen, given like all the opportunities that they have, all the games that they've lost. By, by one by one score where they're trying to get the onside's kick at the end. Well, yeah, all of the desperation in this franchise's recent history. <laughs> okay, we're going to... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, speaking of desperation, let's talk about the offense. Yeah, let's overreact. <laughs> offense, defense, special teams, uh, coaching, broadcasting, officiating. Uh, starting with the offense. Starting with Kirk Cousins. I felt like today was the perfect referendum on Kirk Cousins' day. Okay, I agree, but what was your takeaway from that referendum? Well, I see this is why it's perfect. It's cuz I take it both ways. I take it <laughs> I take it the way that like the interception he threw at the end of the first half is not a play a good quarterback makes. Like yeah, anybody can throw a bad make a bad play, throw a bad pass. But to overthrow Crowder that way in that situation inside your own red zone like that was just not a play that a top quarterback ever makes. Agreed. So what's the other way to take it? The other way is that the Vikings are 7-2 and two with Case Keenum. They threw for four touchdowns yesterday. And Case Keenum is not as good as Kirk Cousins. Uh, Meaning exactly. you can win with Kirk Cousins. You give him a good defense. You give him something around him on offense because the Redskins right now have nothing. Then I don't, you're, you're I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like... I feel like Cousins' offense was bailing him out. Everybody's talked about how the Maurice Harris catch was like this spectacular catch by a practice squad wide receiver, and it was. There's no doubt about that, but that shows up on Cousins' stat sheet as a touchdown because uh, an unheralded, unknown wide receiver made one of the like greatest catches of this NFL season. Well, well uh, yeah, I mean, that's valid, but also what I'm saying is true because – like overall, like the whole of their bodies of work and their abilities, I think Cousins is clearly superior to Keenum. Yesterday, Keenum was clearly superior to Cousins. Yeah, I, the whole of their bodies of work, yes, although I'm starting to think you have to eliminate anything where the quarterback was coached by Jeff Fisher 
because <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm the right. 800th person to make this observation, but like, man, uh, what was that guy doing? Um, but, but I don't know. I, I have now doubled and now tripled down on my, I hope cousins leaves this off season feeling. I, I do not believe he is the answer here in any way that justifies the money. If he wants to take Case Keenum money to stay here, then by all means, great. <laughs> but I, I just, I, this, it, it, I, I don't understand how anybody can watch what he's doing and make the case that he should be considered a top tier quarterback in the NFL. And then you go to Joe Flacco, who is, you know, it's the joke. Is he a lead? Is he this? Is he that? But he won the Super Bowl and they gave him a huge contract at the time. And it has really limited their abilities on the cap and their ability to make player moves every year since. I just, I, I, man, I, I cannot mean, I'm say still, it enough. I'm still in the camp, though, that like, if you have a good defense, if you have a decent offense around him, because because they they haven't they haven't had they have not had that the last couple of years, and they've averaged eight point five wins, and they look to be headed around eight wins this year. What, if they can elevate they, the game, the team around him, you're looking at going from that like eight nine win range to like a 10, 11, maybe twelve win range, and you know anything can happen at that point. I mean, the Flacco won a Super Bowl. Eli Manning won two. Peyton Manning, like the ghost of Peyton Manning, won a Super Bowl. Like you can win that way. What what offense do you feel they are missing? Because I would agree that they're missing a running back. They do not have. Uh, they might have an adequate running back, but they certainly don't have a star. But I mean, tight end. They've got two great tight ends. Wide receiver. You mentioned last year. Last year they had great wide receivers. This year, who knows? Because uh, it's a chicken egg thing. Where I, yeah, they haven't looked great. But is part of that on Cousins? I don't know. Well, um, well let's just take know. the receiver part out of this. Okay. Let's, let's say, okay, offense. On offense, you can do one of two things. You can run or you can pass. I'm not going to say those two things are 50-50. Let's call them, what, 60-40, 70-30, like in the modern sure. NFL? Yeah, 60-40 is probably The offense right, is yeah. missing 40%. <laughs> you know, there's zero run game. Pirine and Kelly are averaging three yards a carry, and – Neither one of them is over about 200 yards on the season. We've played nine games. Like there's, there's, I mean, the offensive line, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if it's a good offensive line or not because they can't run the ball. They seem to pass protect okay. The receivers are fine. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying this is not like a good offense around Cousins. I guess what it comes down to for me is if I'm, if I'm devoting a huge chunk of my salary cap to a quarterback, I want him to be able to elevate – everyone around him, not right. that he's a guy who needs everything in place to be successful. So you're, you're talking like Aaron Rodgers. When Aaron Rodgers goes, so do the Packers. And yeah. not like Sam Bradford, who when Sam Bradford goes, the Vikings can still go 7-2. and two. Right. I, I think that if you were to sub in Case Keenum for Kirk Cousins this year, I, I think the Redskins would be looking at about the same results. And it does not make sense to me to commit – uh, th that portion of the salary cap to, to a person in that situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this is why it's the perfect argument, and we talk about it every week, and I thought yesterday was a perfect re referendum. It's like it's not it's not clear-cut either way. You know, I, just, can, I can be on the, like, I'm on the lean of, like, keeping him and improving the team around him, but I can see, I can totally see where you're coming from, too. All right. Well, let's let's table it until next week when we have the exact same conversation again. What else happened? Well, can I also say though that like, <laughs> like uh, just two more notable cousins throws. Sure. One sure. was on a fourth down in the first half. It was a wheel route to Chris Thompson, which was a great play. I mean, he made a great catch, and it was awesome to see them convert on that on that fourth down situation. 
but that should have been a touchdown. A decent throw to a wide-open Thompson, that's a touchdown. He also had a wide-open Josh Doxson kind of deep down the middle, overthrew him by five yards. That should have been a touchdown. I mean, I didn't get to see a lot of the game, but the parts I saw, Cousins was – I mean, it was bad Cousins. I was yeah I, I don't know I, I I may be reaching the point where I'm so bitter about him that I am incapable of viewing him uh, even remotely fairly because I thought both those throws were really really typical cousins yeah um, the 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 Thompson one especially that's that's cousins I mean he he made the play kind of but not as well as it should have been made and also everything else had to go perfectly uh, for it to work I, I just meh, whatever okay so they have they have. N- no run game. Um, they... I thought P. Ryan looked a little better. I thought he looked a little better this time. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know how his t- final tally stacked up, and I do know he got stopped on a couple of plays where I really thought he needed to pick up some short yardage. But he early in the season, he it was like, wow, why did they even? What did they see in this guy? He is warming up. I mean, the, the, there could be a running back in there somewhere. <laughs> I hope so. Um, <laughs> Mo Harris, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if that was like the catch of the year or the best catch ever. I just don't know that you can make a more difficult catch than that. Like that, that was as good as catches get. Um, he, this was his first activity uh, for the season. He played some down the stretch last year, and you know, I think he caught people's attention. You know, it was like, oh, this guy might be a, a guy who's part of your you know receiving core going forward. But was this a kind of one-time circus act, or do you think he's he's kind of like in the mix going forward? I would usually go with a one-time circus act thing and give him like the uh, Marco Mitchell Award regular season edition. Yeah, but... he, he is like a perfect regular season Hall of Famer, like <laughs> the regular season version of the preseason Hall of Fame. Maurice totally. Maurice Harris. To- totally. And part of that is that he needs to do something so spectacular that the fan base uh, – like us, overreacts wildly to to the situation. But I think given the way the receivers have looked and given that, you know, not to keep dragging the same people uh, under the, the wheels, but, like, Ter- Terrell Pryor does not make that catch this year. Terrell Pryor probably doesn't even look like he tries for that catch Did Terrell Pryor play yesterday? I don't know for sure because I'm not in front of my computer, but I certainly did not see him. He did not make an impression I mean, on me. I, yeah, I, I saw portions of the game. I don't remember even seeing him. And, I mean, I looked at the box score after the fact. I don't remember him. He might have had a couple catch. I don't know. Just a weird season continues. Well, I mean, it's it makes him look very smart for signing him to a one-year deal, though. I'll yeah. give him that much. Well, so. yeah. At least, we won't, um, at least we won't be having this conversation next year. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant Podcast MVP, Vernon Davis, led the team in receiving. Um, this, guy's, this guy's a marvel. <laughs> um, He's a marvel, but I will say I expected a monster game from him this year. Not only it's his fault this week. I don't think it's his fault that he didn't get it, but it seemed like the way everything was breaking down, he was going to put up some genuinely you know, goofy-looking statistics, and that didn't happen so much. For which I blame Kirk Cousins. You'll be astounded to hear. I mean, I, if the Redskins had won this game, I would have been very excited. Not just because it was a crucial win that kind of you know put them in a in a decent wild card position, but also because the entire offensive line was back. Now I don't understand, or I don't, I don't, I'm not aware of why Spencer Long didn't start at center. Uh, instead, of they they started funny Danny Rie again. <laughs> And I don't know, like, what happened if, like, Spencer Long, like, wasn't 100% and Ray got hurt. 
so they put him in. But in any event, if you had told me like a couple weeks ago they were they were going to have their whole offensive line playing together at once, I would have been thrilled about that. Yeah, I uh, I, and I think Long came in and went back out. Um, it, it was very weird, and I didn't hear the explanation for it either. Um, it didn't seem to make as much of a difference as we might have hoped uh, either way. I mean, the offense was fine. You know, I mean, Cousins, somehow, despite not playing well, and the running game was mildly effective but didn't really put up much, didn't make much of a dent. They scored 30 points. I mean, well, yeah, when it comes down to it, it was it – was, those cousins' mistakes are to me what killed the game, especially that interception. Uh, I don't want to sound like a really mediocre color commentator, but you just you a good quarterback cannot throw that interception in that situation. It wound up being, unless I'm mistaken, it gave them two touchdowns right before the end of the half, and then I believe they yes. scored to start the second half. And yes. it's like twenty-one straight. At that point. I mean, I, at that point, I was feeling like the game was out of reach. Maybe I should be optimistic and cheery and, and be excited that they closed as close as they did. Um, but, uh, man, it was just – it was a frustrating watch. So something you said in there what, about a good quarterback doesn't make, you know, the, an interception in that situation. Like, there's that. Like, yeah, I don't think a top guy, like, throws a pick in that situation. But also, like, regardless of situation, I don't think a top guy throws that pick. Like – it was a short pass, somewhat over the middle to Crowder, who was open, and he just sailed it. Like, he just sailed an easy pass over the middle. It was like, you know, a Jimmy Clausen interception. You know, just like the – that was like the worst quarterback that came to mind immediately. You know, it was ah, – I just it, – it, rattled, it, it deeply rattled me. It shook me. If we're, if we're now down to comparing him to Jimmy Clausen, uh, things – the wheels have really come off. I mean, just the one play. You know, I'm not pulling like a Harris Hayes Parmar here and, and comparing him to Mike Glennon. Uh, <laughs> you know, on the whole, I'm just saying that one play shook me. Okay, did I tell? I don't think I told you my last cousin's note. I don't think I told you my theory last week. I think I mentioned it on Twitter, but I, I, I was not actually joking. I think he, I, I think he has like some sensory issue or something because he's able to make these throws with the rush in his face, but it feels like as soon as he is contacted, yeah. uh, something in his mind switches and he. He can't recover from it. That's how I am in basketball with my jumper. Just don't try me. Quick question. Would, yep. Quick question. Colt yep. McCoy, better, equal to, or worse than Case Keenum? I mean, I would have guessed about equal to, although I would also not have guessed that the that Case Keenum would have the game he had yesterday. And also, if I'm being totally honest with you, Jamie, can I, like, can I, some real talk right here? Yeah, lay it out. Uh, uh, like I had no idea the Vikings were six and two going into that game. I did not realize they were having that good a season until maybe ten minutes before kickoff. Um, <laughs> so uh, apparently, I'm just willfully blind to the greatness of Case Keenum. Well, I mean, I thought they had a good defense and they had two good wideouts, and uh, you know they had Dalvin Cook, who was like kind of a, a special looking rookie, but went down early. So no. I don't know. I was looking at this as kind of like a pick'em. I don't even know what the line was, but. You know, six and two Vikings at four and four Redskins. Uh, you know, the game the Redskins kind of had to have. I don't know. The one thing I will say though is like Ke- Keenum looked good yesterday, but if you look at Keenum's stats, not just with Jeff Fisher, but I mean with the Vikings this year, I mean he's got like a QB rating in like the seventies and eighties each year. Like that guy's like a good backup, bad starter, and that's pretty much where I think Colt McCoy is. But but. You know, and yes, QB wins are a stupid statistic, but if we are balancing wins 
versus, uh, you know, counting stats. Cousins has the counting stats through the roof, and the team is, you know, back under 500 again. I don't know. I'm so cranky, Jamie. I'm so cranky. No, it's, fine. it's fine. And uh, I was going to do a read for our friend uh, Dustin Smith, who will sell you a house if you're a Redskins fan. But I don't have it in front of me. I'm driving. It's raining. Can you hear the rain? I can. It's it's actually very soothing. It's the first thing that's calmed me in about 24 hours. I think it's actually Dustin Fox, isn't it? Dustin Fox. Oh, he works for it's like something Smith Realty. Yeah. You know, uh, I love that you know that it's Dustin Fox. Well, Just I mean, the, reads, I, the branding that's like seeping through the messaging on the podcast, it's working. Advertising works. It's, it's working great. I will tell you that uh, if you are a Redskins fan, uh, you want to go to Dustin Fox and he will he will help you out with buying or selling your home. But if you're an Eagles fan or a Cowboys fan, not so much. Yeah, you can just go out in a field somewhere and die. Okay, defense. That's right. All right, good. Good defense. work. Uh, uh, defense. Yeah, it was the worst. Yeah, they look, well, it was the worst except for DJ Swearinger uh, for a, a small stretch there. But, yeah, they looked terrible. They made Case Keenum uh, look good enough to make me question um, basically the my fan fandom and uh, understanding of the NFL. I, I mean, Josh Norman just getting toasted repeatedly, That's that doesn't compute. Uh, I don't know if he was hurt or if it's just like a bad matchup. Like he doesn't he doesn't like cover like quick shifty guys like Diggs very well. I don't know. Um but that was dispiriting. I have I have a lot of time for Stefan Diggs because of the uh, Terp connection. So I, I'm going to choose to believe that he's just that good. Um, the I mean, Adam he's really, Thielen he's really thing. Good. Yeah, he is really good. Adam Thielen. I you know I knew he was good because uh, well partially because of fantasy football. I've certainly been aware of him partially because you know I've been hearing the stats. But um, it, watching him, it was pretty impressive because it didn't look like he should be doing what he was doing. But it also didn't feel fluky at all. I mean, he, he, he looked like a good wideout who was torching some uh, defensive backs who were having a rough day. Yeah, I mean, Breland too. Yeah, both of them. Yeah. Not great. Just... Uh, respect to Adam Thielen for scoring a touchdown. And in the moment, which I'm sure is like you're very excited. You might not have all your wits about you. In the moment, organizing like a six-man game of leapfrog that as it was coalescing, I was like, is this a human centipede celebration? <laughs> This, yeah. this looks like, as Joe Buck would call it, a disgusting act. But no, then it just morphed into a, a joyful game of leapfrog. Yeah, there was a lesson there about the importance of blocking your shot in filmmaking because given that I don't think the cameraman knew what was coming, where he started from, Human Centipede was the only way to go. Uh, I don't know if you want to save this for the sort of other items or if you want to address it here, but I think these group celebrations are stupid. Um, and I don't think that in stodgy old white guy like Man, act like you've been there before way. Uh, I just think they're dumb. I, I enjoy seeing players celebrate excited, but I don't understand. I've never once achieved something in my life and been like, you know what would express this is a quick game of mock leapfrog with my friends. You know, I uh, mean, I, I, I could not disagree more. I would, it's, maybe it would not be for me. Like, I'm not sure that I would be, like, conceiving and organizing and, and executing an elaborate touchdown celebration should I ever score I think if I scored I would just be like I would just like die of excitement but uh, as a fan I'm now intrigued anytime there's a touchdown I'm I'm lingering I'm hanging in just to see like what occurs if it's the red zone channel I'm like no no no, don't mix don't don't switch stay here stay here on this like Browns Lions game I want to see what the celebration is and the same thing happened in the Miami Notre Dame game like the turnover chain thing was such a big deal the last couple months. And like, I don't know, I thought it was kind of played out, whatever. 
But then Miami had four turnovers against Notre Dame in like the primetime game of the week. And every time, I was genuinely thrilled to see the guy come over to the sideline, get christened with the chain, and then run over to the bench, stand up, and like address the crowd. It was awesome. See, but that feels that feels legit to me. That feels like something organic that that team developed. Uh, and but I feel like if Fox was like, all right, now the nationwide uh, t- turnover chain is going to be presented to whomever. Like it just it all feels so forced. I loved when Chad Ochocinco uh, and Terrell Owens used to have their like elaborate, you know, the Sharpie celebration and all the, the really like yeah. the stashed cell phone because that was those guys. I, I loved it because the that was those phone, guys. Was that Joe Horn? Ah, uh, you're right. That was Joe Horn. That was but incredible. I mean, that, that was that was those guys and their personalities, and it, it was a thing. Whereas this feels like it, part of your obligation now is to just pull together a quick talent show. It's really annoying to me. I don't know why. Well, back um, to your boy Stefan Diggs. Uh, he did the old, I think it was a Steve Smith celebration back in the day, where you jump and like straddle the goalpost or like yeah. the goalpost and got to slide down it like a fire pole. Mm-hmm. Funny thing about that though is he got 15 yards. I'm not sure where the but, lines are. <laughs> like where the lines? Are like oh, it's been crossed. You can't like I, hug the goalposts. I think the ball is allowed to be a prop, but nothing else is. I think. Um, but see, I like that because like it shows his commitment to the bit. He was willing to get a 15 yard penalty to express some genuine enthusiasm. Like he didn't just get up there and do like the Macarena for no inexplicable reason. Ugh. But you, you must have known that was going to draw a penalty. If I'm his teammate, let alone his coach, I'm just like. You incredible asshole. <laughs> like, why did you just give us 15 yards? Was it worth it? As it turns out, yes, it was. Okay. Uh, the only thing about the defense that I thought was notable, it's weird because they gave up like 38 points, is that, you know, you mentioned already that Swearinger at some point, around like the third turning into the fourth quarter when he got those two INCs and made a couple other stops, I mean, he was like a man possessed. It was, yeah. it was crazy. It was it was really crazy. It was really great to see, uh, but it it fits him right in with this weird up and down Redskins team and Kirk Cousins, the weird up and down quarterback. Uh, like these guys, really, really illustrate. And I think I said this last week, but I'll say it again anyway. They really illustrate that mediocre does not mean playing mediocre for the entire game. It tends to mean playing really well for chunks and really poorly for chunks. And the average is eight and eight. Um, the drive chart at some point in the third quarter they showed like the vikings offense drives the results yeah i think it was six drives one punt five touchdowns i mean i I just like against the vikings with case keenum and like their backup running back i i I mean just an unbelievably shitty performance by a a team that i thought had a decent defensive unit but i don't know in their slight defense, it, it's clustering because then there were two quick interceptions um, that if you had scattered them throughout the other drives might not have made any difference to the overall game, but because of the way it broke well, down. Well, yeah, but I mean, you, still, you still get like a 38 point, you know, points allowed, whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. They were they were overall not good. I'm not in any way uh, qualifying that. Uh, not going to be a fun week in the meeting room with Minuski and Tom Sula. You don't want to see those guys hopped up on on truck stop crank or whatever it was that said fuels this team. <laughs> Apparently they ran out of it. Somebody needs to send over a shipment of mini things real quick. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe those guys could be like huggers, though. They could be like, you know, uh, th- th- there's a chance that it's still a warm and cuddly meeting room. I-, I have no idea. Anything, um, anything else on the defense? No, not for me. 
Uh, all I gotta say is they gotta get right because they're going to New Orleans next week. New well, Orleans I mean, won seven in a row, and they can run the ball now. Yeah, and they have two running backs who make Latavius Murray and uh, Jarek McKinnon look like Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be – it's a potential problem next week. Now, every time we say that, it winds up being a, either a moral victory or an actual victory. But, boy, uh, the, I don't know what the line would have to be to get me to pick the Redskins in this one. I'm going to go with, like, it's going to be a, game, a competitive game I'm not going to pick the Redskins, but like it's, they're basically going to look like two roughly equivalent teams because that's every Redskins game all the time. <laughs> but they don't; they never look roughly equivalent. The Redskins always look just slightly worse than whomever they're playing. <laughs> uh, special teams? Anything with special teams? I mentioned the onside uh, kick disaster. Onside kick was a disaster. The field goals were good. I mean, I somebody maybe it was a good old Burgundy Brent. Somebody was tweeting that like the long. Field goal means goodbye to uh, whoever the injured kicker is. Dustin is, Hopkins. Is still Dustin Hopkins. I, I've, I've lost track. Kai Forbath showing up really just left me shook. Kai, uh, Kai Forbath hit a fifty, a crucial fifty-three yard field goal at FedEx Field. For I know. The other team. That's just not I know. right. He was he not. He been, was not good. He had no leg when he played here. He must have been so excited by that. Like that. That really, I bet, made his. I don't know. Week, month, whatever. But um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It it's, feels like kickers are pretty fungible. So, like, uh, you know, I, I don't know if one guy loses his job or not. But it I was mean, nice to see him make the kicks. I mean, Dustin Hopkins is definitely going to go become, like, a 10-year kicker for the Falcons or something like that. Because it's always, like, Graham Gano is still kicking for, for Carolina. Forbath, Swisham uh, was with the Steelers for a long time. Novak, I think, was with the Chargers. There's a, that was at least that right there is at least four ex Redskins kickers who more or less got like either let go or like run out of town with like people with torches, who have hung on with other competitive teams for a long time. Well, I wonder how much of that uh, is FedEx Field. If you're playing half your games on a field that's made out of like I don't know chewed brownies, I, it it's gonna be difficult. I. I also wonder how much of that is this franchise's legendary impatience because kicker performance is just, it just fluctuates. It just does. I feel like so, if you, if you have a kicker who's, you know, whatever, he's not embarrassing. He's like getting touchbacks. Everybody gets touchbacks. He's getting touchbacks. He's like, whatever, 80% on his field goal accuracy. He can make, you know, 50 yarders. As long as he's like a, like a good hang, you know, yeah, <laughs> just, just like him. a chill dude. Yeah. Just keep him around. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that I think that it's uh, you're making the mistake of thinking you can fix it by changing it when, in fact, your better bet would be if you just suffered through a mediocre streak for a kicker, keep him because the next streak is likely to be pretty good. I don't know. Whatever. There was a, um, there's, that, a, there's a tough moment um, in the kicking game. This is not in the Redskins game. It was another game. It was Thursday Night Football, and I can't even remember who played. But the announcer caught my attention because there was a field goal, and they was like, all right, this is the first – you know, snap by the long snapper, you know, what's his name, from James Madison University. And I was like, ooh, JMU Dukes, all right, we've got a new pro. His first snap ever. He short hops it to the, to the holder. Short hops it, they missed the field goal. I wonder if he was let back. I'm going to have to look into this. Long, long snapping is harder than people think, uh, but I really feel like we may have devoted more, times to, more time to this special team's uh, portion than it really deserved. I wasn't expecting it to go long on that. I'm sorry. No, me neither. Um, it's okay. Coaching? Uh, boy, you know, 
you got to blame them, right? I mean, I can, I can, <laughs> you gotta, much, you gotta blame them. <laughs> I can heap as much blame on cousins as I want, but when it comes down to it, everything nice we said about the coaches last week sure did not seem to be in play this week. <laughs> well, I, okay. So I didn't see a lot of the game, but I saw certain parts again. Um, there's some questionable stuff at the end. Uh, like the skins are down 11 and it's like desperation time, but still maybe five minutes left, something like that. And uh, I think they were on like the 35, like the Vikings 35. It's third and one. They run it right up the, you know, center's ass and get stuffed. So now it's fourth and one or fourth and two. Again, you're looking at like a 52, 53 yard field goal to get it to one score. They go for it. All right. I can, I can go for it there. I can go for it with you. It's a long field goal. Um, they do like a slow developing sweep out to the right. That gets a loss of four yards. Game over. It was a tough sequence. Okay, we ran into some technical difficulty there, probably because we were driving while podcasting, but that's okay. We did 30 Good Minutes with Matt Turrell, who you can read in the Washington City paper and follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Turrell. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Bumpers. Uh, Just search for Mr. Irrelevant. That should do the trick. And as always, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week after New Orleans and before New York.